This is Food First Michigan on 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Hunger for children, food security for seniors is and should always remain a nonpartisan challenge. Republican, Democrat, and everyone in between should do what is necessary when it is necessary to ensure the toxic stress of food insecurity is a thing of the past, not a thing that challenges in the present or in the future. Corporations, businesses, employers of all sizes, county commissioners, boards of education, and healthcare CEOs from payers to providers in every place in Michigan should stand with us to say, enough is enough. No more worry about food, no more patchwork fixes, no more blame, no more shifting responsibility. This is our problem to own and our problem to fix. And as my mentor said, you are either a part of the problem or you are part of the solution. So let's put down our partisanship, our prejudices, our biases, our judgments, and join us at the Food Bank Council in creating a food secure Michigan. I had the privilege recently to testify before the Michigan House of Representative Appropriations Subcommittee led by the incomparable Representative Christine Morse from the Kalamazoo area. I don't think I've ever been more welcomed, appreciated, or listened to in a presentation than I was at this committee hearing. I am encouraged by her leadership and the members of this committee on both sides of the aisle that take a genuine interest in our work. So today, Jerry and I are going to unpack two pieces of legislation that impact our work and the families that we are striving to help. Mass is the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System and a line item in the state budget that we need your help with and a bill that would restore a tax credit for entry-level donors who want to support food banks. Policy matters and so does your voice here on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson, after a brief hiatus, is back in the studio. We missed you recently. You are away on a secret mission someplace. And, um, <laughs> I can't tell you, or you know, Doctor. It's a it's a huge secret. No, it was an executive leadership retreat with my team at Gleaners, and it was we're we're doing a strategic plan, and this is a refresh because the pandemic. We learned so much. And, and we have more capacity than we've had, and we're putting together a new envisioned future based on even greater possibilities. And it's very exciting, but it takes time, right? So we spent about two and a half days, uh, you know, talking about what's the current reality, what's the, the desired future, and how do we get from here to there? And it was uh, very, very exciting. I know I couldn't get a hold of you for like two and a half days, so I got a little worried, and I thought, <laughs> did, did did you know? Did I have bad breath the last time I <laughs> we break up and I not know about it? Was it? Is it me? You know, I was going through all this anxiety because I couldn't get a hold. But y'all made the commitment you were going to put your phones away. Right, exactly right. And I just want to say for the record, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. 
Well, that's one of the first relationships in my life anybody's ever said that. <laughs> Normally it's me, not you. So, all right. So we have a pretty important topic that is timely and uh, it's important. And, and we're really, for folks who are listening, um, we're going to ask for you to reach out to your legislator. We're going to tell you how to do that, which is simply you can go to michigan.gov and you can find the House of Representatives or the State Senate. And you can, if you don't know who your rep or your state senator is, you can just search for that right at that website. And it'll tell you that. And then it'll give you a phone number. And we're going to ask you to call and support this ask. And we're going to give you reasons why in this show. But I'm just telling you, there is a call to action here for this show. And that is to call your legislator and say, support the Food Bank Council and their ask for Mass. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about so many things that matter. We're going to talk about the economic value it drives for the state of Michigan. We're going to talk about pounds of things and costs of things. But but I want to start the conversation by talking about people. Because at the end of the day, what this is really about is people. It's about supporting people in need for sure, but it's also about supporting Michigan farmers. And it's also about supporting our uh, the, the, the food supply that every single one of us depends on, whether we're a farmer or a person in need or anything in between, right? And it is one of the things we learned from the pandemic is we have to have systems in place that robustly support the food supply for us all. But I, I want to harken back to a couple of years ago. This is even before the pandemic. We started to ask, as we started to get more capacity as food banks, and, you know, we've been changing this conversation now for five years on this show, and, and part of the result is we have more than we had before. We're doing more work as food banks than we've ever done before. Right. So, so when you start doing more, you got to ask more questions about, is this working? You want to make sure you're spending your money in the right ways. So we started asking people who were coming for help what was missing from their life, what would help them the most manage the challenges of, of being low income in terms of the food that we could put forward. And you know what they said? Produce and milk. That's what they said. Produce and milk. That's what people want. It's, it's, it's something you need more than once a month. So you got to provide it more often. You've got to change the way you think about systems if you're going to provide those foods. But they're the healthiest food. They're the freshest food. And guess what? It's from Michigan. Right. Right. It's it's locally available. I mean, so when you align what it is that people say they want the most to help them manage whatever crisis has brought them to needing help and what we have right here in the state of Michigan and you start to marry those ideas together, you can do amazing things and it helps us all. So Mass, I think, is one of the most innovative, interesting, effective programs in cooperation between uh, the, the, the government and the private sector to bring about, I mean, radical positive impact in the community. And that's why we're pushing for it and why, you know, we are going to say make the call. It's, it's really time to increase this. And, and Dr. Phil, why don't, you, why don't you go into the next section of why is this the time? Well, it's the time because, well, and I would say that that we call it MASS, and we should say that that stands for the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System. Yep. I said it in the monologue. I want to repeat it here. And it's the first program of its kind in the country. 
It was born in the mid-80s and now has been duplicated by 39 other states. Now, our neighbors to the south, for all you Go Blue folks out there that are listening, our neighbors to the south in Ohio have fund their program at a, at a pretty decent clip. About $25 million a year goes into their version of, of mass, and they use that money like we do. We get about $2 million in order to... Um, take this money and buy directly from farmers, processors, and producers here in Michigan. And one of the chief things it does, Jerry, that we learned through the pandemic is that it shortens our supply line. We used to buy some food during January and February from all over the country, but for example, we would buy a semi of uh, food out of Arizona where we have a co-op in the Feeding America network. That truck used to cost us about three grand. Now that truck costs us about eight grand. So it makes a lot more sense for us to get a higher return on investment to shorten our supply lines and support our local Michigan farmers to the nth degree. Yeah, it's um, as we start to look at what's the right number. And of course, you know, there's there's a lot of great questions about what's the right number. How much is enough? How much is too much? Um, I would say that we're, we're looking at, well, what are the products being produced in Michigan? And remember, Michigan is one of the most di- diverse agricultural states in the country, second only to California. Um, there's, there's a lot of products in Michigan with varying marketability, right? The, every year, harvest yield a certain amount of food. That yield is never exactly aligned to the market. So there is always some product on the market that doesn't get sold. There's also some products that that not only don't get sold, but don't even get harvested because there's no guarantee that it's going to be worth the cost of doing that. Yeah, there's no market for it. So what does that do to farming communities? Right. It means less money going into those communities. It means less economic benefit for those communities. It means a harder life for farmers. And let's just face it, a lot of small family farms, there's nobody getting rich. These are people that that need to sell everything they can so they can maintain a lifestyle that they've had sometimes for four, five, six generations of people in their family. These are dairy farmers, potato farmers, asparagus farmers, and so on and so forth. Right. So so when we start to connect the dots between how do we maintain what is one of Michigan's largest and best industries for all of the farms that need to be part of that system so that it's robust and so that it can survive challenges like the pandemic or or like what's happening around the world in terms of certain food shortages. Um, these these programs that, that the government can invest in and really help children and help seniors are also helping our communities all over the state of Michigan do better. And that's mm. good for everyone. That's good for tractor sales. That's good for, I mean, there's so many, There's. it's good for fertilizer. It's good for, mm. you know, for all the people that provide services to those communities and in those farms. I mean, it's good for little movie theaters. I mean, you know, you think about all the, all the things that small town America really needs and God knows they really do need economic support. So, so spending a lot of time talking about that, but where are the farms? They're in those little communities, right, that yeah. want to have a vibrant downtown. And the only way you get vibrant downtowns is if people are working to uh, to make some money and able to spend that money in the little hardware store and all the other places. Now, I got to say, having grown up in one of those little towns, I'm very passionate about this. Right. Because there's only so much industry that you're going to have. 
And so the more that we can support the natural, so needed industry of farming in our, in our small towns, the better off we all are. Well, we're going to pick this up on the other side of the break, Jerry. Mass is the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System. It's a line item in the DHHS budget, the state budget of Michigan. And um, we're asking for a significant increase in that because it hasn't been increased in some time. And as you alluded to earlier in the show, the capacity for what food banks can do for the community has done nothing but grow. Our ceiling is not nearly as low as what we thought it was. And we can do more with more, and we can, we're a pretty darn good return on investment. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back with you in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, and we are talking about mass, not like the mass spectrometer or the mass that we have around our belts, <laughs> <laughs> but the Michigan Agricultural Surplus System, which is a line item in the state budget that goes to support um, really three different groups. It supports uh, the food banks, obviously. It supports the farmers because we're able to buy product a lot of seconds here, and we'll talk about that in a moment maybe. And then it really, the, the winner here really is the families that are struggling with food insecurity because almost half, if not a little over half, of all the food that the food banks distribute in Michigan is fresh. And right. this is what this program is designed to do. As you said in the uh, segment, Jerry, it's what people are asking for. It's the most requested items. And so that's what this program is designed to do. And it's been, it's been funded at the same level for a number of years. And it's time to make an investment in the people that we serve and in the food banks that do the service and also the return that comes to the state of Michigan. So so let's talk a little bit about the numbers, right? Let's talk a little bit about the numbers. So so our average cost per pound for the mass program, Michigan Agricultural Surplus System program, is 16 cents a pound for produce. That's that's our average cost. USDA says the average cost per produce that people pay in retail is 64 cents. That's the average cost. So four times better. Right. right, four times better cost, and we distribute that to people at no cost to them. So, so that's a lot of economic value being driven through this program because of the efficiencies that food banks can achieve at scale. Mm -hmm. Right. And because we're picking up product from farms where there isn't a market and the farmers, they need something. Right. It costs money to harvest this. It costs to store it. It costs some transportation. You're not going to get this for totally free, but you're getting it for a much reduced price. And it still significantly helps the farmer even at that price. Sure. So so when we talk about solving food insecurity, we know it's just it's not just about more. 
It's about more and better. We want to drive the cost to the most reasonable place we can get it so that we can reach the people that we're not reaching today. And there are still quite a few people in need who we're not reaching today. Now, we're always working at that, right? But one of the biggest, most important challenges we have is food supply at a reasonable cost. Mass fits the bill. It's food people want and need, so the waste that comes out of the system is dramatically reduced when you give people food they want and need, but also the waste that's happening in the grower community is being dramatically reduced. And so less waste, more impact. It's it's This program is the closest thing to a miracle we have got going right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, you know, let's talk about camp on waste for just a minute. So when you talk to a grower, a, a farmer, and, you, you you know, we've had these conversations, you're like, I, I don't waste anything here. Here's what I mean by waste. It's food that would help someone else that's not being harvested. It's not being recovered. So to me, that's waste because it's not going for its highest purpose. And so I think that we wanted to find that. I'm not, we're not saying that people, farmers are being irresponsible and, and not, you know, conservationists and they're wasting. That's not what we're talking about. The food is not going for its highest purpose. And and if you will use that as a definition, then food is being wasted. That's right. And so it's food that, that can be made available and that we want to make available at some financial benefit to the farmer and at a significant financial benefit to the households in need who are being served. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, Jerry, I, I, in the testimony that I was able to give before the subcommittee on appropriations for DHHS, which is w the department where this mass line item resides, um, we shared with them some of the impact of mass just in the last year. So in 2022, we had 46 farmers. Now, we have about 120 that work with us all together. But this, this we had about 46 farmers that got food to s all seven of our food banks. as over 200 truckloads. Now you got to define what a truckload is, right? We're not talking about a straight truck or a pickup truck. We're talking about a semi. Right, right. And so what is that? 44,000 pounds or maybe a little more. So that went to all 83 counties of Michigan and over 2,000 agencies received this food. Now I think we have about 2,800 agencies statewide and that provided 6.7 million meals. Man, that's a pretty good return on investment. That's what $2 million was. Imagine what we would be able to do if they funded it at the level we're requesting, which is $20 million. And the product is there. I mean, so part of part of the reason for the size of the ask, we talked a little bit at the beginning about what's the right number. Part of the formula for what makes the right number is, well, how much product is available? How much help can we provide both the, the farming communities that, that, that could use it as well as the people in need that, that really want more produce and dairy and other things that we, that we produce in Michigan? So, so part of the answer to the right number is, is it, is it good uh, from a cost-benefit perspective? Hugely good. One of the most effective programs in the state. I dare say maybe the most effective is there enough product to support it? Absolutely, there's enough product in Michigan to support that number, and probably even more, but but that would go a long way toward toward getting us where we really need to be. Yeah. Is it the right number in terms of food that food banks can distribute? And again, I mean, 
seven, eight, nine years ago, one of the biggest challenges we had was there wasn't enough refrigeration in the network to manage fresh food. Yeah. Now there is. We have worked hard at making that refrigeration available, getting refrigerated trucks to move it. And I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Farm Bureau of Michigan, who's helped us provide several of those vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, but building the capacity to distribute fresh food has been a priority because it's it's it, it is what people want and need, and it is so important to people's health. I mean, food and is medicine is a whole nother part of this conversation, but nonetheless, is it the right number? There's no question. It's a good number to look at based on what we know about what's available and what people need. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback your numbers argument here just just a little bit, um, and and say so. This is what we did at two million. million meals. So what would 20 million do investing in this program? It would create about 80 million pounds of fresh food available for our distribution network. And what does that mean? That's about 65 million meals. Not 6.7, but 65 million meals. And so if you do a little, this is Phil's back of the napkin calculation. Do not, you know, write a paper on this. This is just on me right here. But my, literally the back of the napkin math, I would tell you that a $20 million investment would get us to probably around 22% of all the meals that we need to provide statewide to truly address food insecurity. So I, 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 that is a really important thing to say, and I think we should say it again. 65 million meals would be 22% of the meals that we need to be able to provide in order to have a food-secure state. Yeah, I think that gets us really close. And then, you know, again, it's, this is never about... I, I'm, I'm really not willing to have the conversation about either or. It's always going to be both and for me. So... So in the next segment, I want to talk about why this is so important right now. And one of those reasons is because there has been a substantial cut to another food benefit program that we refer to as SNAP. We want to give you those details. We'll do that on the other side of this break. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. And we're back with you. We want you to come back and be with us. Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Thanks for listening, everyone. Again, great idea, Jerry. Shout out to the uh, family of companies at, at Farm Bureau Insurance and the Michigan Farm Bureau. They are, have been great partners for us for five plus, moving to six years here on our show at WJR and our podcast. So, um, you know, I think that our partnership with them is only going to grow because, I don't know, you know, they're Michigan Farm Bureau. They got something to do with food. So, <laughs> they sure do, without a doubt. And we Pretty need smart it. about it, too. They know where it all is. That's <laughs> really important. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So why is this really important now? You asked that earlier in the show, and I kind of danced around it. But one of the reasons it's really important right now, Jerry, is because there is some pretty strong discussion in Washington, D.C. about how the, the, the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, SNAP, or what used to be called food stamps, is going to be cut. Now, it's, that's in the next budget, but what we just went through just a few weeks ago was the loss of emergency allotments. And let me just tell you what happens to that in Michigan. 
that's a loss. The, the, the loss of the emergency allotments on SNAP will cost the mission economy about $130 million a month. Individuals who have this bridge card, this SNAP food stamp card, will lose on average about $93 per person. But seniors are really going to get hit hard. Many of the seniors who've been getting, during the pandemic, about $250 a month for food assistance will drop to the minimum, which is about $23 per month. And let me just tell you, this is not scaled. It is a cliff. On February 28th of this year, those allotments ended, and on March 1st, the next month, that's when the cliff, they fall off the cliff. Now, probably some people have some funds reserved up on that card, and they'll be okay the first month. But what the other 18 states that have already went through this, the food banks in those states are saying they saw an increase in the first month by 17%. They saw an increase over 20% the second month. And by the third month, they were pushing 30% more people coming to their distributions because of the loss of emergency allotments. So you lose those. Now they're talking about cutting the entire program more so in the next federal budget. And I'm again, it's not an either or, it's a both and. If you're going to cut, you're going to have to invest someplace else. And we think mass is the right place to make that investment. Yeah, I, a couple more points there. Um, one of the things that we say and believe firmly is that it's cheaper to solve food insecurity now than to not solve it and pay the cost of not solving it, whether that's in education, whether that's in healthcare, whether that's in lost time at work. I mean, the fact of the matter is it's way more costly to let food insecurity persist than it is to just solve it. I just talked about 16 cents a pound for produce for the mass program. Does that seem hugely expensive? I mean, the, <laughs> the, the bottom line is we are providing meals at such a reduced price. And so we need to be more and better. We, we need to engage in conversations about what are the best programs? What do they look like? How do we make sure we take care of people? But fundamentally, whether you solve the problem with SNAP or with the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System, it is still cheaper to solve than it is to not solve it and wait to pay the price later. Yeah, I'm, I, I want to clarify what I just said there, too, because I'm being a realist here, not an, not an – if you ask me what I want, that's best for people who are struggling and living under the toxic stress of being food insecure, I want both. I want both more and better, right? I want to make sure but, – but it doesn't look like that that's going to be a, a reality, so, so I'm being a realist here. That's one of the reasons, because of the, the cuts we've already endured and the pending cuts that are coming, why it's so important. You, because what happens whenever there is policy changes, is particularly at the federal level, what happens, Jerry, and you know this better than I ever will, that the food bank, the charitable food network, becomes the safety net to the safety net. And that just doesn't seem right to me. For that problem to get dumped onto charity. Well, the charity has a really important role to play. It's the dumping that you want to avoid, right? The better thing is let's have a conversation about how, what are the needs in the community? How do we best serve those needs? Let's have that conversation rather than just be put in a position of, well, this is your problem now. Hope it works out for everyone. That's not a very productive conversation, right? No, but it happens. Yeah. It happens by default. And I think that it's 
you know, people are our friends, they're our colleagues, they're our partners in this work. But sometimes it's time to have a hard conversation with friends, colleagues, and partners. You don't get to dump this just on charity. It's not right. It's not fair. It's not the way this work is ever going to be solved. It's not either or. It's both and. Yeah, I think I think that's an excellent point. And so, uh, so in the meantime, we have an opportunity right now to put a dent in this in this burgeoning problem, right? We have an opportunity, and that's why we're going to repeat the call to action right now. We're going to say what we want you to do is go to Michigan.gov. It's there's a there's a obvious link for I want to contact my state senator or I want to contact my state representative. If you don't know who it is, you can put in your address and it'll tell you who it is and it'll give you their their work number. And you can call and leave them a message and say, I want you to support the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System in the upcoming budget and in the upcoming bills that are coming through right now. And, and by doing that, you're letting them know this is important to you. And it is important to your state representatives and senators that they are serving their constituents in the way their, conserv- their constituents feel is important. This helps a lot of people at a very low cost at a time when it is very needed. Well, just just a couple things here, uh, furthermore about the mass. So we're asking for 20 million. We think that's a, a will we'll really help move us toward uh, all the resources that we need in order to, to create a food secure Michigan. We, we're back of the napkin math is saying that's about 22% of the resources we'll need. Um, but then there's the commodity programs. Those need to be get more efficient, uh, for sure. Uh, then there's the work that, that, that you guys are doing in the food banks where you're actually raising resources. I, I know that the demand on gleaners, just for example, you're spending in, in north of a million dollars a month in purchasing food. Well, that just doesn't seem, I'm, thank you for doing that. I don't know. It's amazing how you're doing that. I think other food banks are scaling off that number, what they're able to do, but I don't think that's a sustainable, scalable strategy. <laughs> that is a we, – we need three more segments to talk about <laughs> that strategy, but I would say this. Um, it is going to be public-private partnerships that end – food insecurity. It is not going to be purely fundraising. I think there are very many generous people who understand the points that we've made on the show today, as well as significantly other points about how do we have a the community that we want to live in? How do we have the prosperity? How do we maximize the potential for every child? How do we take care of seniors who have lived their life and worked their life and now are on a fixed income and need a little help? How do we help people who have a health crisis and need a little help? How do we help people who've lost a breadwinner from the home and need a little help. People understand that life happens and people need a little help. They understand that they're not coming month after month after month after month. People go in and out of crisis for a lot of different reasons and that providing a safety net that assures them of where their next meal is coming from is worth investing in. That's the answer to the question, why do people give for this and why is it that we can afford to, to buy as much food as we buy? But fundamentally, if we want a sustainable food safety net, it is going to be public-private partnerships. And the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System is an example of what a really effective public-private partnership looks like. Well, you're exactly right. Hey, Jerry, we got to take a break, but 
when we come back, I, I want us to wrap up this show. But, you know, we say that there's two words that should never go together. Child and hunger. So I'm going to add a little bit to that. I think there's another group that needs some special attention. And if we get the 20 million here, the Food Bank Council is saying to the state of Michigan, we want to carve out $5 million for this group. We'll tell you who that group is on the other side of this break. Welcome back, Jerry. Uh, mass, 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 mass. But there's also a, there's a group here that that I've become more and more burdened about since the pandemic because I felt like they were like just left on their own. And and you, certainly Gleaners and the entire network helped meet that need. And you know who I'm talking about? Who was it? Our seniors. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, if you if you read the the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, which is a pretty short read uh, <laughs> you'll find one of the things that led to the fall was how they treated their seniors how they treated them in the beginning of the empire and how they treated them at the end um and 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 neglect of seniors is definitely a catalyst for the fall i don't want that to ever happen on my watch so we if if the state of michigan believed in the work of the food banks like I believe they do, and they funded us totally at the $20 million request, we would be willing to carve out $5 million of that to address senior hunger across the state. And that includes not only getting them the food that they want and need, but getting it to them in a way that makes it manageable for them to be able to, to, to work with the food. In other words, is it, you know, if you've got an 87-year-old, you know, uh, 78 pound <laughs> a senior wrestling a 90 pound box is going to be kind of hard. So yeah, right. we're committed to getting that delivered to them in a way that helps them the most. Yeah, you got to think of it this way. It's it really is less quantity more frequently. That's that's really how you have to manage. It. You got to change your systems again. Like we changed our system so we could do fresh produce at all. Right. We know that to serve seniors who have certain transportation issues, we're going to have to have a way to manage getting food to people's homes. You can't just put it at a nearby church cuz they just can't even get there, right? So right. how do we get, and it may be that church volunteers help us get it to people's homes. So we're not discounting the work of the church, believe me. There's so many of our agencies that are faith-based and we depend on and that our community depends on. But nonetheless, you've got to think about systems differently when you're trying to reach that population. And every food bank in Michigan wants to do better here. Well, the last mile is a huge challenge. How do we, and, then, and, and to just to bump that at another level, how do we get food to the people who can't get to the food? Right. And so that's a huge challenge to really drive this thing. We have 1.1 million people in Michigan that are food insecure. Um, there's a good number of that are seniors, probably well over 300,000 of those are seniors. And we want to make sure that we are uh, on the right side of history here in regard to them. So we're making that commitment that if the the state of Michigan makes a commitment to us. We're going to make that commitment to our seniors. Um, Jerry, there's a, uh, another piece of this. We talked all about mass, but there's a bill that Senator John DeMoose from the Traverse City area has put forward. Uh, it's Senate Bill 128. And what that bill would do would restore a tax credit that went away in the previous administration um, that would allow entry-level donors 
to recapture some of their donation that they make to food banks. Uh, so if you're a single filer and you donated $100 to the food bank, you'd get $50 back as a tax credit. If you're a double filer, it would be 200 This is one of the only tax bills I've ever been a part of where the Department of Treasury for the state of Michigan was neutral which is like a rousing endorsement <laughs> because treasury is never for less money. <laughs> so when they were neutral on it, we knew we had a winner. And, um, and this is a bill, Senate bill 128. So when you make the call to tell your, uh, ask your legislator to support mass on behalf of the food bank council, tell them to support Senate bill 128 as well because that will help us recoup some of the donors that we've lost that are entry-level donors through the years here. And that would be a great thing. So we got to think, 128 massive opportunities, that's how you're going to remember both, right? Right. It's Senate Bill 128, but also mass. 128 massive opportunities is a good way to remember when you're making that call. Senate Bill 128 and the Michigan Agriculture Surplus System, mass. Time for a little food for thought. Influence is simple, straightforward, and effective. We build relationship, we stand in the gap for people who don't have much bandwidth to influence others, and we represent them, their potential, their possibilities, and even their private shame. I know about this because I was one, too proud to ask for help, but still filled with potential and possibility. Few believed in me when I was down, and I didn't believe in myself for a lot of that time. But when I sought help for food for me and my boys, it came and it tasted like hope. It smelled like normal, and it propelled me to go beyond where I was to where I am today. Food is powerful at many levels, and so is influence. Use yours today to help our food banks get the help they need to meet the need across our communities. And together, we will keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.